Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hip Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Who's, Who's starting? Start this thing? <laughs> I know. Who's starting this podcast? It's very quiet and we're looking at each other like, who's going? We rarely record on a Friday and I don't know what everybody's going to hear. You all say you can't hear it, but there's like a train going by. There are birds. Oh, I can't hear it. Dog. Yeah, your phones are doing a great job. Like, there's so much happening here. I'm, I'm um, visiting Atlanta and sitting on my friend's back porch. So it looks like it's warm. It's not, I'm freezing. I'm under a blanket. Oh man. Aren't you like, don't, don't you live in Canada? Aren't you supposed to be like, <laughs> I think you're supposed to be Canada. acclimated to the cold. <laughs> I live close to Canada, but not oh, okay. Okay. in Canada. Still, I mean, you're close enough, right? Like, I mean, it was freezing. So I, uh, if people don't know that voice, it's Abby Robbins. Oh, hi. Hey, Abby. <laughs> And I actually saw Abby on Tuesday where in Austin, where it was also raining and freezing yeah, that day. It's been gross here. I'm glad I came south for the week. <laughs> it's just warm, beautiful weather. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've been traveling all week long. Um, people are going to be like, I thought we said that Catherine was taking off the podcast and Brooke was going to pop in. She is, but Abby and I were having this amazing conversation on Tuesday and I was like, damn it. I wish we were hitting, we were recording this. And so we decided just to record a podcast. But before we get into that, Abby, you were on like, was after you won Unbound and then you've done some like guest stuff with us, but what's been happening with you in the last couple of years or last year or so? Oh, I don't, I don't know what's going on with my life if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, cause we recorded shortly after, uh, unbound in 2021, it was like what July, maybe, maybe August. Like it was not, uh, very long after, um, 2021 rolled around and, uh, I mean, really unbound kind of uh, like legit Christy blew up my life is what I like to say. <laughs> In all the good ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's been great, but it's definitely been uh weird. A change. Um, yeah. Yeah. A big change. Um, shortly after Unbound, uh, I got connected with Giant Bicycles um and a bunch of other really amazing brands. And I've spent pretty much all of 2021 uh working as not just an ambassador for these particular brands, but really an advocate for growing, uh, growing like queer and trans participation in gravel cycling, like specifically, um, working with events to, you know, create non-binary categories, helping people define and refine their trans inclusion policies. Um, and then a lot of just showing up and being that representation um at these events I, I doesn't sound like a lot when you say it but I think I was at 10 events last year um in 20 20- a lot yeah and it like 
you know, like, oh, that's not that many. And then you start doing the math and it's like, oh, that's, that's a lot of events. Um, it's a lot of travel. Um, and now I'm gearing up for, uh, 2022. I'm going to do it all again and hopefully, uh, you know, continue to help make a positive impact in the space. Um, yeah, still working with giant, which has been great. Um, and working with a bunch of other really incredible brands, Garmin, Goo, all these people that are kind of, um, I don't know, like rallied around my story and, Mm -hmm. and what I was trying to do in the space. And, uh, it's been, it's been a wild ride, but it's been really awesome. So, I mean, that's what I've been. It's been so wild that you don't even know what year it is. Is it 20? Oh, fuck. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Eh, am I going to call them out on that? (laughs) Well, I just don't want people to think we were recording this in 2022 and then we just held it for a long time. No, no, it's definitely 2023. So I'm gearing up for 2023. I don't know what year it is. I don't know what's going on in my life. (laughs) None of us know what's happening right now. It's like a Friday. (laughs) But I'm enjoying riding my bike. And that seems to be the one thing I do know right now. awesome. That works perfect because that's what we're here to talk about riding bikes. Yes. I love it. I love it. Easy peasy. I did think one of the cool things, I think I was with you or maybe just, I was with race. I can't remember. I am bound when it went to a full podium for the non-binary category, which was really cool to see what one person showing up can do. Um, how, what did that feel like that day? Oh God. Um, that, uh, there's like, the, there's this photo. So Danielle, my wife took a photo, um, of me like passing out the awards. Christy was very like generous and was like, will you help like present these awards, uh, for the non-binary category, uh, for the, um, for unbound. And I, like, I look at that photo, like, I think I might've been like I was so out of it, um, Mm -hmm. in that moment because it was, I mean, the whole day before was super intense and, um, you know, I, I gave my best effort out there on the course. Um, I didn't end up finishing the 200, uh, because of an injury, but, uh, you know, I got like no sleep and then like waking up, trying to figure out what's going on and, and making it to the podium ceremony and, and, like, I don't feel like I have a great memory of that moment because it was like so intense and I was so out of it. But like, I look back at that photo, um, and like, just like, I look at that photo and there's just this like profound sense of pride, um, like that I really think I've only ever felt anywhere else, like for my kids and like the things that they've done and like the way that they show up in the world. And it's like outside of them, it's like, this was a really, really big moment for me. Um, and I mean, it really stems from like, in 2021, like I was, I was the only non-binary person registered in the category for unbound. Um, and I thought that was just really silly and dumb. And, you know, there's some level where it's like, I don't, I know that like my, my place is not to like be on a podium. Um, like I, I was stoked at what Christy and Ben and everybody at Unbound did for me after the event. Um, and it's like, I can hold that. And I can also know that like, I have no business being on a podium. Um, I don't want to be on a podium. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. That's not how I've oriented my life. Um, and then to like be there just one year later, um, and see the podium full of people that are not me, uh, in both the 100 and the 200, we had several people in the 50 and the 20, we had somebody in like every category of that race, um, last year. And it was just like such an awesome moment. Um, 
yeah, I really don't, I don't, I don't have great words to describe it. Um, but it was, it was super powerful. Um, and for me, it kind of felt like, uh, like setting something right in the universe, like me ending up on a podium was like some strain, like I fell through some sort of strange wormhole, um, and like doing the work to kind of, uh, right the cosmic wrong of uh, in some ways um to like make it easier for people to access and to get there and to know about it and to know they have a place and to know that they have a space where they can you know not only show up but really participate and be celebrated for who they really are um yeah I mean that was a was a really like big thing for me I think it's um this is like, it's a hard one for me to talk about. Cause it's just, <clears throat> it's been so kick-ass just watching the trajectory for you, Abby. Um, I do think you belong on a podium. It's obvious <laughs> because it was such a huge impact, but, um, what's crazy is like, when I look at it, you know, when you talk about, um, what the team here did, <clears throat> and it's so crazy because it was such a simple little action. Mm-hmm. It was so tiny, you know, just pulling the podiums back out. It it was just a tiny little extra step. It wasn't anything huge. It was just something that you should do out of kindness and respect for people and the way it transcended and changed something um, from one simple action was just, it's just pretty cool to see, like, you know, you talk about the butterfly effect and I'm like, what, what would that have been had we not pulled the podiums out? Yeah if we just like sent you on with your award and, and gone on, you know, or if, sorry, if you had finished in time to be at the award ceremony, on Saturday, <laughs> which I did not, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, thank God you didn't, it's just weird, but it's just like that little, it's just the little flap of a wing that just changed. A, it just changed a ton. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And And it feels like that. Like it feels like, this, I mean, especially from my perspective, right? It feels like this collection of little moments like that and, and like little actions that like, you know, the only reason I was in that category is because I sent an email. Like I couldn't figure out how to change my registration, like after the fact, right? Like I had to, you know, and turns out there was a, at least one other non-binary person who also didn't figure out the email or didn't figure out like the registration. And so, you know, it's just that like one little thing, you know, and it, it feels like for me, the last, really the last almost two years now has been just this like culmination of little things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there were so many little things leading up to that moment. And then like, and then suddenly they were all really big things. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that like, I I was definitely not prepared for. Yeah. But it's really, it's really cool to look back and like see and really like feel into like, yeah, it was just a lot of little things. Um, and they've amounted to a really huge difference and not to say that there's not a whole lot more work to do, but. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's so much movement that has happened in, in such a, a relatively minuscule amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really like inspiring and encouraging for me to like, look back on it and see it in that respect. Yeah. It's funny to see the dominoes start to fall because like Boston, that the big running event then opened a non-binary category, USA triathlon, mm-hmm. a non-binary category in their national championship. So it's like the dominoes seem to be starting to fall and going like everybody needs a space to compete um at these events so it's it's cool to see the movement yeah I don't I don't know if I had ever told you this Christy but like shortly after everything happened and it it might have been like shortly after we recorded I did this thing in Austin called bike story night um and I like told the story like and apparently there was someone in the audience when I told the story um who uh either owns or operates one of the climbing gyms in Austin. Um, and when they had their next competition, they were actually the first 
nationally recognized climbing competition to have a non-binary category. Like, and they were like, they were interviewed in like a climbing magazine and they're like, oh yeah, I heard this. Like, I just so happened to hear this story about a non-binary cyclist. And like, I like, I looked, I like saw the story and I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it's cool. But it's like little things like that. Right. It's, um, it, it is like, we're, we're riding a really powerful wave. In a nutshell, it's why I keep doing this, why I keep doing this. Cause you can, yeah. you can. I think I'm a person that can bury my head in the sand when you're talking about like the political landscape, because I struggle. And I think this is going to get to somewhat of our point of, of this call is like, I struggle when I look at the political scene and I realize that like in that space, I can't be impactful, Yeah, but here's where I can be impactful. Mm -hmm. And luckily I have a pretty loud voice in this space. Yeah. And that gives meaning to change that I'm not going to get through a political sense. Like I'm, I'm never going to be a politician. Um, I've been asked to run for stuff and I'm like, (laughs) Oh God, fuck no. Right. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't get elected. And if I did, I'd probably get impeached. So I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's classified documents somewhere in my bedroom. (laughs) Well, also, I think you'd be like the liberal Margie Taylor Green. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd be quite like that, but well, I would be, I think, I think my point is that I would be speaking the truth. Like there's a, you know, like, well, so or at least I'd be speaking, speaking the truth. I guess you're right. You're right. I was going to say, I guess I'd be speaking my truth, which is the equivalent of what she's doing. She just doesn't know what the truth is, but um, <laughs> sorry. Wow. That was political. You're also short and blonde. Yeah. What is that? What does that have? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> oh, is Marjorie short and blonde? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, let's circle this conversation back to something more positive. Um, no, my point is like that for me anyway, I, I have tried to find places where I feel like I can make a difference yeah. versus looking at spaces where I struggle to make a difference and get frustrated and give up, you know, like take my ball and go home. Um, yeah. That's why I like, that's why I like my job. That's why I like working with lifetime is that they're willing to put their neck on the line and, and, you know, put their money where their mouth is, walk the walk, talk the talk, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, it's, and, and we get to, because of that, I get to see really impactful change and, um, you know, it's cool to hear that it stepped outside of cycling and went into climbing because then it can step outside of climbing and go into, you know, backpacking or what it's just, it just, it just gets to continue to ripple through. So, um, the outside space is, is diversity in the outside space. I feel is largely being led by gravel cycling. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely agree. Well, speaking of things that are not moving forward (laughs) (laughs) and it's, you know, obviously we're referring to, uh, a lot of trans legis- anti-trans legis- mm-hmm. legislation that has been dropping in the last since the new um house is in session so recently as the they're coming back there's a uh i don't abby how many states are dropping this legislation it's a lot that are kind of dropping the exact same legislation yeah. um actually i don't know the exact number but it's like 12 18 it's something in there. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, a, it's and, ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's over 25% of the United States. I know that much. Um, which, yeah, like that's a, a wild. Christy's getting her phone. Are you like actually like looking yeah. it up? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> um, you know, obviously I'm a lot more familiar with what's happening in Texas. Um, and, you know, I'm obviously very familiar with what happened in Texas last year with the passing of the anti-trans sports ban um, for K through actual, uh, K through college, uh, school, like state funded schools, uh, you have to register, you have to play sports, uh, under the gender you were assigned at birth. Um, now like currently in the state of Texas, um, which, you know, without going too far into it, um, is, just a terrible, terrible thing um, that is opening the door to massive amounts of abuse of young girls who are interested in playing sports. Um, 
and then prevents any trans children, uh, trans men, trans women, non-binary folks um, from participating at all. Um, and yeah, that's not what sport is supposed to be about. Um, so anyway, that's what's going on in Texas. Texas this year uh, for this legislative session has 34 anti-LGBT bills on the docket. Um, one of which uh, stands to outlaw gender affirming care, uh, not only for children, but also for adults. Um, there is a bill on the docket right now in Texas to um, essentially, I think it's a class C misdemeanor uh, for businesses to uh, allow uh, essentially trans people to be in public. Um, the, it's, it's targeting uh, like drag shows, it's, like specifically, but the way that the bill is written and the way that the definitions are um, written up is essentially drag is anything uh, is is essentially a trans person existing. Um, drag performance is anyone who is trans being trans in public, um, which you know we can say what we want about how these things are written and how ridiculous they seem. And, and, you know, we could stand on that soapbox all day. Uh, but the truth is these things pass. Um, the anti-trans sports bill, horribly written, um, like my third grader could do better. Uh, and it passed, um, after four special legislative sessions, it got run through, um, so, you know, these things are a reality here in Texas. They're a reality in Arkansas, in Oklahoma, in uh, Florida. They're a, they're a reality all over the country. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it's, first of all, it's terrifying, but it's also interesting, like, in, like, why are we talking about this right now? And it's like, well where is gravel booming? Like, where does gravel happen? Gravel happens in all of these places. Mm -hmm. uh, almost exclusively. I mean, like there's gravel everywhere, but the places where all of these major events are happening are in states that have this legislation like coming up um, and are even passing these laws. Um, and so it just, it puts gravel cycling in a really interesting position. Um, and so that's why we're talking about it today. <laughs> to live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit InsideTracker.com slash feisty. That's InsideTracker.com slash Feisty. If people don't remember the history, I was probably in 20, 2021 when Arkansas passed their first anti-trans. It was the medical bill. And that was when we were looking to start a gravel festival. I was already looking at Bentonville and we put the, like, we just halted that because I wanted to see where that was going. I wanted to like, that's when we were starting to plan it. And it, I took about six months to talk to both people like Molly Cameron, um, 
several other trans folks and then to go to Bentonville to meet the community, to talk to the people that were kind of in the know and just see what, what the vibe was there. And also I came from Atlanta where, um, you know, obviously I saw the long tail of change <laughs> that happens in politics mm-hmm. with Stacey Abrams working for yeah. Stacey Abrams and other organizers putting the work in for over a decade, you know, for the, uh, the election result that we had in 2020 um, or 20, whatever. I'm like, all my years are running together. I don't know what year it is. So you're doing better than I am. 2020. Um, so anyway, I, I know that some, like I have gotten a lot of messages out Christy probably gets them too. Um, maybe not as much because Kansas's bills are a little like they haven't passed. Um, well, we've, we, they passed once and our governor yeah. vetoed it. Um, it's back yeah. in the legislation. We have the same governor, it'll be vetoed and we don't have the right, we don't have the votes to over ride her veto. So it's, yeah. it's safe right now, but let's face it. Kansas is definitely, um, a state that's being targeted for sure. I mean, yeah, we have, and it's not, yeah, yeah. sorry. It's not just tra- like also the states, like when Roe versus Wade were overturned, like got the same messages. Why would you do events in states that are, have these laws that are not supporting women or have these trans bans? Um, Know. And so this kind of all started a conversation uh, that we were having. And I was like, I feel like the rest of the world needs to hear this conversation mm-hmm. and people need to be wherever they are in their process. Right. Like if you feel like you can't go to a state and support that, I, t- that's, that is your choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a way that you quote unquote can vote with your dollars, but I don't, I don't think it's the best way to support communities or people. Um, I think there's, I think there's two angles of that though. Like, I think that there's, I think there's this, the, the bigger thing for me is the safety angle. And if you don't feel safe for whatever reason, then by all means, that's, that's a different thing. And I do, I mean, I know that then there's also the voting with your dollars. If that's the only reason you're making the decision, I think that's a misstep because I think the work that we do in this, in my states that I work in that do have legislation or threaten legislation is that by doing those opportunities and having trans podiums, you get to meet the people where they are that are against you in a safe environment and education happens. And I mean, Abby, it's why we wanted you and Apollo and KC so badly at our spring camp last year. Because the three of you riding alongside those athletes, you get to expand horizons and, you know, we're there to make sure it's safe and you're there to help educate people and be like, we're not scary monsters. We're human beings just like you and, and get to have those connections. So I think that to me is the rub is if you don't feel safe by all means, like do what you need to do to feel safe. That's I, I stand by that. If you're doing it because you're not you don't want to give your dollars to those states. I get it. But I also would challenge you to understand the fact that like the way you're truly going to make a difference in some place like Arkansas or Kansas or wherever, Oklahoma, wherever you want to pick, show up and be loud and make sure you meet people there that would t- traditionally not be supportive Yeah, um, well, that and was- take advantage of that environment. Yeah, that was, I mean, uh, Christy, you know this story because you were there at camp last year, mm-hmm. but that was that was actually a really huge, that was a huge part of my camp experience, right? Like on the day, on the second day of riding, we're riding a hundred miles out in the middle of nowhere in the Flint Hills. And I rode for 70 plus miles with a cishet middle-aged white dude. Mm-hmm. Um, who was a self-proclaimed uh, crazy right-wing gun-toting Christian conservative. Um, and we had an absolutely incredible conversation. Like, yep, there was something about the space that that the bike and the environment created that we were able to have a really engaging and powerful conversation. And we were out there together. We were like side by side for mm-hmm. 
well, and then occasionally I was behind him because he was a little bit bigger than me and I was going to take the draft. Um, he was clearly stronger. So, <laughs> but you know, we were, we were with each other for five, six hours that day. Um, you know, we'd been, we'd been riding together for maybe 10, 15 miles. Uh, and like we were, I was there working on a film project, uh, and hint, hint for the future. Um, but, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, like we're, you know, pretty evenly paced. Maybe we should ride together at Unbound. I was like, oh, that'd be great. I was like, but I feel like I should let you know that like all these cameras and things that you're seeing there for me and for my people. And he was like, oh, what's that about? And I go into what it's about. And he's like, oh, well, let me tell you about me. And, you know, drops this bomb. And there's this moment where it's like, you can, you can choose to shy away from those conversations. And like, as a trans person, I don't, I wouldn't begrudge anybody for shying away from that. Right. Because it, it's, it's absolutely a safety issue. And, and I totally get that. And I know like I am, I'm non-binary, I am trans, I'm extremely queer and I'm also white and able-bodied and I carry a lot of privilege. And so Mm-hmm. because of that privilege and because of the relationship that I had with you, Christy, and with Unbound and the entire like infrastructure and network of people at that event, I felt safe enough to lean in to that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to lean in to connecting with this human being who was riding next to me, who was engaged in the same painful, sometimes absolutely stupid activity that I was engaged in. And by the time we parted ways, like after a particularly like gnarly hill, I was like, you go on ahead. I'm not like, there's no fucking way I'm getting up this. I'm going to walk. Um, you know, but before we parted ways, he was like, you know, we, we might not agree, but my, I mean, the words he said to me were, my life has been enriched because of the time that we've spent together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and that story, I mean, if you just extrapolate that, that story is not just staying with him. No, I mean, he's, he's taking it back and telling his buddies and it, you know, whether his buddies want to roll their eyes or whatever, it's, it's, his views may never change, but that could be the first step because now it's not an issue. It's a relationship, yeah. right? It's a person. And that's for me growing up. I grew up in a small conservative town, didn't experience a lot that was different. And it did, it was like easy to, to stand behind an issue until I had relationships with people and they were people I loved. Mm-hmm. And I saw the way that things impacted them. And I saw them weep because of the way the church had treated them. Like it was easy to be an issue until they were a person to me. Yep. Right. And I think that that is, you know, that's what makes, that's that's what makes me really excited to be doing like what I'm doing in gravel cycling is like, there is so much room for relationship building. There is so much room for change in this sport. Because frankly, I mean, my experience, right. And I have to, I'm going to qualify that it is my experience and that is influenced by, you know, all of the privilege that I hold and all of these things that are kind of coming together. But like my experience in this, you know, very niche industry in the cycling world is that like the people who are, you know, the event organizers and the the people who are kind of making things happen in this space um, they want this change to happen and Mm -hmm. they are working to like help make this change happen. Um, I mean, because I'm a queer person, I've been doing diversity and inclusion work literally in every space I've ever worked in just because of who I am. Like that comes with the territory, um, which sucks, but I have never, I've never been in a space where it's been so easy to have a positive impact. Like I've spent a lot of years rolling a lot of boulders up a lot of steep hills and like, it's different in this space. And, you know, that doesn't mean that there's not work to be done, but 
there are more people to help push. And I think that that's really special. You know, like last year, uh, last spring when Oklahoma introduced their bathroom bill, you know, three, four hours after the bill was introduced and I found out about it on Instagram, I was literally less, less than three hours. I was on a call with the entire team from Mid-South about how they could respond, right? Like I sent one Instagram message and then they got their entire team together on a call with me in less than three or four hours. Like that's, that's wild. Yeah. And that's that team of people that live in that state are the ones that are going to bring change to that state, not a cisgendered white woman who doesn't show up to an event. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you know, uh, this is kind of my thing when it comes to this idea of like boycotting. Um, if, if it's not something that you're doing regularly, it's not a boycott, right? Um, it's just you not going to a thing. And that's, that's fine. Again, if it's like, if, if it's an issue of safety, absolutely. But if it's an issue of just, oh, I'm trying to vote with my dollars. I think that like, the concept of voting with your dollars is wildly important. Um, and it's really how you do it. Um, and I mean, to be frank, these, these bills, the legislation, the, the mindsets and the, the rhetoric that created the space for these things, um, they weren't, they weren't just like, dreamed up by a single person, right? Like the, the march against trans folks started decades ago, right? This has been going on for a long time. And in in the same, the same with all of these like issues of, of marginalized groups continuing to be marginalized, right? Like it didn't start in 2020. That's just when the rest of, you know, us white folks woke up to it, right? Like this didn't start with an individual, you know, this legislative session. It's been going on for decades, hundreds of thousands of people involved in the creation of this political boogeyman right? And so when you look at it in that context, it becomes really clear that an individual didn't create this issue and an individual is not going to fix this issue. And I just like, anytime I'm, I'm in these kinds of spaces or having these conversations, my, my advice to people is always like, connect, 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 connect to people in your community who are doing the work. Um, there is, there's an, an absolutely incredible community of people in Austin who are fighting these like archaic pieces of legislation. Uh, people like Equality Texas, people like the Trans Education Network of Texas, um, the ACLU of Texas. These people are coming together and have been doing the organizational work to fight this organizational issue. And that's where your dollars are going to be better spent, right? That's where your, you know, voting with your dollars, so to speak, has a lot of impact and power, not when you're doing it by yourself, but when you're coming together with this collective group of people, um, And, you know, we saw this same sort of thing happen. You know, you were talking about all the stuff that happened in Arkansas um, at the end of 2020 and the early 2021. Um, That, I mean, truly that whole situation is why I am here, right? Like it was Lifetime's response to what was going on in Fayetteville and Bentonville that created the non-binary category that allowed me to, you know, butterfly effect to butterfly effect to right now. Um, And there was a lot of talk early on about boycotts and, oh, don't show up, et cetera. And 
it just, it was never organized well enough to have like the people who had vested interest in the thing happening had no interest in the political implications. Right. So boycotting, it wasn't going to stop it from happening. It could only cause more complications. And so what people, especially people in Northwest Arkansas started to do was to organize around it um, and have it be this kind of like flashpoint for people. And this is where, you know, Molly Cameron's work came in and did so much to draw attention to these issues that frankly, a lot of people in cycling had no idea about, right? Like the awareness piece became so much more powerful. And in the meantime, we were able to draw a lot more attention to um, organizations like We Are Trailblazers, right? I, I had the opportunity to speak on a panel that they did um, the week of Cyclocross Worlds um, with Casey Cross and a lot of these other really amazing people who are there, boots on the ground, making things happen in these spaces. And I look back on that weekend. It was a, that was a year ago today that we're recording this. It was that weekend. Um, and I just think about like how, how much I would have missed out on had I not been in that space. Um, and especially as a trans person, there was a piece for me of like, I'm getting to connect with other trans and non-binary folks who love the same thing that I love. Um, and we were able to really like connect and experience joy together. And that just feels so powerful in the face of this, these daunting issues. Um, like, I don't think that that can be understated, like the power of queer and trans joy, the power of black joy, the power of, you know, engaging in these things, um, you know, that fly in the face of, you know, these systems that are trying to oppress people that are actively oppressing people. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why I keep showing up in these spaces, you know, that like, we're doing something out here and we're creating something special for people to engage in. And let, I, I mean, I will be the first to tell you it's fucking, I hate living in Texas. I hate waking up every day and being afraid. And that is my experience. That is my life as a trans person living in this state. Am I going to wake up one day and find out that gender affirming healthcare is no longer available? Am I going to wake up one day and find out that they're now investigating trans parents? You know, CPS is knocking on my door wanting to take my children away. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is where I live and this is what I deal with every single day and having having the space and the community to engage in something that truly brings me joy i can i wouldn't be able to keep showing up without that yeah and the thing that most people don't get is that, you know, there's lots of talk like, well, why don't you move or why don't you like change location or whatever? And it's like, that's, that's cool. If that's how you want to deal with this, like, fine, I'm not going, like, I get it. It's an issue of safety. Fine. If you have the ability to do that, cool, whatever. But it's also an issue of privilege, like on, on, on many different levels. You know, not everybody can do that. I think the step that goes a little bit farther that most people don't understand is that like, even if everybody had the ability to do that and wanted to do that and then did that, if we moved every trans and queer person from a terrible state where it sucks to exist to California or wherever, New York, Vermont, what, you know, send them all to the coast, there would be a hundred new 
queer babies born in Texas the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. Without that support. Yeah. Without, without any support, without any representation. Mm-hmm. Right. Without anybody fighting for them yeah, to have a better any, future. Anyone showing up for them. Like the goal is not to move trans folks to where it's safe. The goal is to make everywhere safe to be trans, to be queer, to be black, to be fat, to be disabled, the whole gamut. Like it needs to be safe to be who you are everywhere or no one is safe anywhere. And, and so that's why I think when we invest in these communities, like when we invest in something like gravel, right, that is quite literally leading the charge in this outdoor space of saying, you know what, you don't, you don't have to be fast. You don't have to have the fanciest bike. You don't have to be a cishet white dude. You can be whoever you are, show up on whatever kind of bike, ride how you run a ride. And we're all going to get together and we're going to celebrate that. That is investing in these communities that so deeply need the investment, right? Like I want to show up and I want to be loud and proud in these states so that other trans kids can see like not only can, you know, not only to show up and be a trans adult for trans kids to see, but to show that like I'm thriving I'm engaging with and experiencing joy and that's available to you as well through things like gravel cycling, but also just in general, whatever your thing is, right. Whatever it is that brings you joy. I want you to feel like you have access to that and you have space for that. Um, You know, Chrissy, to what you were saying, I don't like, I've spent time at the Capitol. I've, gone up and I have shared my piece and testified in front of the lawmakers in Texas. The majority of them don't give a flying fuck about me. Right. Right. I I don't want to go as far as to say that showing up doesn't make a difference because it, it does, but I don't think it makes a difference in the way people think these, these, these lawmakers are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. They're also, they're also operating in a world that I don't think many of us even understand anymore. Like exactly. It's so far removed from the regular existence of most people, you know, that they're trying to quote unquote represent. It's like, that's not what it is anymore. Well, and that's, I mean, this is a complete other side note, but we've had so many things, attacks on abortion privileges and and rights here in Kansas. And (laughs) I I mean, Lyon County, my representatives, if they didn't look at the vote when that was on the ballot, it was like 85% of us, yeah, you know, voted to keep the right to the right of choice in place. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I have legislatures that are still trying to ban it, I'm like, wait, that doesn't seem fair. Like, yeah, your constituents are saying no, <laughs> like are saying, yes, like leave, leave the rights in place. And anyway, it's, it's, it's been an interesting year in politics. I mean, I think it's just gotten so divisive and I mean, you know, that, that I think is one of my fears is that we see it creeping into the gravel space. Um, I'm of course, part of you know, unbound always kind of has a little bit of a target on its back with it being the biggest, but, um, that's where I'm, you know, where I'm like, don't my husband, Tim has a saying that I think is always so applicable, which is, is, is know your enemy and know your friend. And, you know, just because I'm in a state that may be in that position doesn't mean I'm in your enemy. You know, you need to know who you're, who your allies are. And, and even when your allies have missteps, you need to know who they are and have their back so they can have yours and vice, you know, all of the whole thing. So, um, I've always, I've always thought that that was a pretty wise saying. And like, when, when you're looking at the space and, and when, when I'm seeing people come after these events to kind of attack them and I'm like, you, you really should understand who your actual enemy is. Cause it's not, it's not the event. It's not what we're trying to do. We're, we're actually trying to advocate and educate and 
provide space and all that. So, I mean, till I go off on the like lifetime on back <laughs> engine, it's kind of like, uh, it's, they're kind of like the Starbucks of, <laughs> whoa, like, hear me out. Because no, it's good. You are this ubiquitous and this big, you're actually creating space and changing the culture so that all of these other events actually have a culture to rely on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's important. And it, and it goes all back to the same issue, right. That like, there is, there, there's like relationship building that's necessary if we want to see change, right. If we want to continue to grow this sport, like you said, know your enemy, like enemy is not other gravel events. And, and I think, I think the majority of events get that, you know, there are always, you know, loud assholes at, 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 at anything, right. <laughs> certainly, uh, you know, gravel mm. is not exempt. Um, <laughs> well, it's also kind of a shame to go here are the best places that you can ride gravel in the country, but sorry, like if you're a trans person, don't go there because like our job is to create safe spaces for people to be in. Like you and I were walking, looking for your keys in Bentonville <laughs> <laughs> this past fall, like in the middle of nowhere going. And I'm like, where the hell are we? We've got a, over a washed out road. You're walking in your bike shoes. I'm very cognizant of where we are and that you have on a kit that says queer gravel <sighs> across. And I'm like, you know, and, and having lived in some redneck areas uh, and, and like, I don't want to like, there are lovely, wonderful people all over our country. There are also some really awful, you know, people with a lot of prejudice. And so I was very cognizant of that and thinking like, okay, if somebody come, like somebody came at us, what would I do? And I think that's our job is to create safe spaces instead of saying, well, sorry, you can't come and ride some of the best gravel yeah. in the country. It's like, how can we just create a safe, a place that is yeah. safe for, for people to come and experience those places and support the communities locally that are actually going to be there doing the work for the next doing the real, real 10, 20 years of what it's going to take. And I think what's so, I mean, again, what's really unique about gravel is like, it doesn't actually matter what state you're in. You can go to Colorado. Yeah. They've got protections for trans folks. Colorado's fucking great. You know what? You go out on a fucking gravel road somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. It's the same thing. It's Mm -hmm. the same as a queer person. I can tell you it is the same experience of fear. Right. If I'm out there by myself, because it doesn't matter where you are, those rural areas, right, have been have been branded as places that are dangerous and hostile for queer and trans folks and for for black folks. We can make a long right. Like I don't want to. I'm not trying to like dominate the conversation from a tra- queer or trans perspective, but I'm I'm speaking from where I sit. Like. As a white person, I know that I have a certain level of safety because of because of the color of my skin and the same issues that are applying to queer and trans folks in a lot of ways, not exactly the same, but are also applying to black folks and every marginalized identity. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Somebody last year had just. It was somebody that I could tell wanted to argue with me and not have a conversation (laughs) because they kept pushing in on, well, you can't. Like, what if I get hurt? Sorry, there's a dog barking next door. What if I get hurt? Like, you can't. I'm like, I can't guarantee your safety if you come ride with me in Washington State. Because when we get out there, there are giant Make America Great Again billboards on every corner. At least in Bentonville, I know who stands where, right? Because they've had to take a stand Mm -hmm. on something because of the legislature. And And I know where people stand and I know who can help. I don't, I don't, I get out here. I don't know. Yeah, like, And that's, you know, you know that because you've been there and building those relationships. And I think that that is, that's really the goal. Right. And I think, you know, if we're, if, if there are event organizers who are listening right to this conversation, yeah, it is on you to create safer spaces. And you do that by doing this relationship building work, right. By knowing who you can count on and who maybe you should avoid and like what random country houses you can, you feel fine to route your, you know, event past these folks, maybe avoid this giant, scary compound of people with, 
Confederate flags and what have you, right? Like it's your job to know your area and to be that point of contact. You know, like what I was saying earlier about, you know, my experience at camp last year, really it was because of my relationship with Christy and the Lifetime and Unbound team and my trust in like the work that they do in the area that like, okay, like if shit goes sideways, I've got people close by who have my back Mm -hmm. because that's the thing, you know, there's this whole conversation around like safe space versus brave space or what, what have you. It's like, there's really no way to guarantee safety ever. And, and that is, that's just the fact of life. Like it doesn't matter. That's living in America. Well, that's living anywhere. (laughs) Well, it is, but I mean, America is particularly scary and has a lot of guns. Um, We have a lot of guns. Yeah. A lot of guns. Um, but you know, safe, there's, you know, safety is never guaranteed. And so the question is not where do I go where my safety is guaranteed, but like, where do I go where I trust people? Where do I go where I have community? Where do I go where I have a relationship with people? And, and I think that that's really what I'm trying to do with all of what I'm trying to do is like, let's build relationships. Let's make it clear where, where people can at least, you know, experience some level of connection and and safety through that connection. Well, maybe you've just issued the challenge in a weird way, Abby, like, or, or maybe we can reframe that into some sort of a challenge of, of rather than, rather than boycotting these places what are steps you can take to make sure event organizers have your back? Yeah. Um, You know, maybe it's not about avoiding the spaces, but making sure that there are systems in place or that, that event organizers are where you're coming. And, you know, maybe that's the conversation that we need to have to help people feel safe versus just saying, I'm not going to your event because you're in Arkansas or I'm not going to your event because you're in Kansas or, you know, maybe it's, maybe that's the challenge is that's the conversation. And that's the, that's the question. And that's the lead out of this. I mean, that's actually something that I'm, I've been working on behind the scenes for a little while is like, what would it look like, um, you know, to the best of my ability to have some sort of network of people and events who you do a queer stamp of approval. Exactly. A queer gravel stamp of approval. That's like legit what I'm working on. Queer approval. Queer approved. Events. Like, you know, having this is, is so valuable, right, to to give event organizers the tools that they need, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and to give them the support that they need. But then to make it very clear to people in these communities who has the support and who has the tools that they need to give you the best experience possible. Right. Because it's not going to be every event. Like there are plenty of, you know, like we said, like gravel's no exemption. There are plenty of loud assholes in gravel and plenty of loud assholes making gravel events. And fine. If that's, you know, that's great, but like, let's make it clear, you know, where, where you're going to have a good time and where you're going to struggle, like where it's less likely you're going to have fun and find that community. Um, and let's let's build around the events who are doing the work and who are investing in in these communities. Well, I'd say that challenge, like you, know, you can even flip that to, you know, cisgender white m- women or men, because I think like a lot of them are struggling. Should I go to these states because of these laws? Because I want to support trans women and to say, well, go there and create safe spaces. Uh-huh. Yeah, for these folks. And so then maybe you have like, I know like the wristbands were popular, but you can't always find those. Like maybe, maybe we even create something where it's like, you can show you're a safe, mm-hmm. like if you're an event, like this is a person that will be your advocate or your ally um, at the event. You know, I don't know that, but, it, but just like you can show up and, and be the safe space for people and places. It's not all on the race organizers because the race organizers depend also on the people that show up. Yeah. I mean, it's at the event, like you can't, you, nobody has a, a, uh, are you a racist on their registration form? Right. 
I are tried. you anti-trans on your entry? Well, does somebody that's a racist can identify as racist? Like, yeah. Well, people I, don't often know. <laughs> I think that, you know, event organizers, while they're not going to be like, you know, like checking like how you voted in the last election, there is something for organi- organizers that like standing up and saying these things ahead of time, right? And being really clear about where you stand, that will weed out a lot of people right? Like those people may not. Yeah. You're ruining gravel. Yeah. Right. Those are the people. Don't come. Um, We have some recommended races for you to go to. Exactly. Like send them all to a few races. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like the more clear (laughs) you are about where you stand. Right. Um, Renee Brown says uh, clarity is kind, clear is kind. Um, it's kind to everyone, right? Because there are going to be, there are legit people in gravel who would not want to ride next to me. Yep. Okay. Well, let's let them know where I'm going to be. And they can avoid <laughs> Yes. Right? Like, no, I'm laughing because like there was a, I had a, I had a conversation with Su- Susan Cronin <laughs> <laughs> last year where she was an event. I'm not going to name the event, but she was, she was mentioning that like, this is cisgender white hell, white men hell. Like, you know, and, and I'm like, we need that. We need all the spaces in gravel. Yeah. Y'all go over there. That, that's go. perfectly fine. Yeah. Don't change your race. Leave it exactly like it is. And people that don't want to come to my race can go to that race. And then everybody's happy and everybody wins. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be a competition. It doesn't, I mean, it's literally just that easy. Like if you can't handle non-binary podiums, Unbound, Big Sugar, Trinidad, Leadville, like none of those events are for you because we have non-binary categories. So if you can't get your head around that, yeah, go somewhere else and it's fine. We'll be fine. You'll be fine. Like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to try and justify my existence or the existence of my friends, but like, this is what's happening. And I think that's maybe the biggest piece is that there are a lot of events who, who want, uh, who, who asp- I will say aspire uh, to be quote unquote inclusive. Um, and I think there, there definitely needs to be, uh, if, if you're going to make that attempt, if you're going to create these categories, if you're going to start these initiatives, whatever, to get more people to your event, you've got to make sure that you're doing the work to actually create that sense of safety and that sense of community. And I think that's the piece um, where a lot of well-meaning events like totally drop the ball. Um, Yeah. And I'm still, I'm going to give them credit because I think it's all a growth process. So absolutely. I mean, it's, this is nothing that happens overnight. I'm making mistakes every day. Um, you know, it's, this is all about, uh, this is a journey. This is not, it's not over. There's not check boxes to this. Yeah. It's, it's literally a journey and conversations and kindness and all of that stuff have to happen to make the true growth go. That's it. So the ultimatums don't work. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they legitimately don't. And it, it, it's ineffectual. It's unhelpful. Um, and it's really counter to this relational experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that said, if you're an event and you want to be more inclusive, like drop me a line and let's chat. I'm a great consultant and I would love to help you. Uh, Bring Abby on. Yeah, right. Uh, Abby, 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 will, Abby will be unbound again. Abby will be at the Gone Graveling Festival right. um, again this year. And if you decide you don't want to come to the Gone Graveling Festival, you could donate that money. I'm going to give the money to Abby to bring trans and non-binary athletes to those. I've had a couple of people say they don't want to come because of that. And I'm like, great. I'm going to give the money to Abby to bring uh, people uh, with them to the event. So, and that's not, I'm not trying to do that to be an asshole. I'm just like, well, we're trying to create a safe space. And I do want those. I I do want, I specifically asked Abby to come last year. It's not a non-binary event. Brandon does a non-binary event, but I, I know the value of relationships. And that's why I wanted Abby to be there. And Abby was gracious enough to say, yeah, I see the value in that as well. So um, anyway, uh, if people don't follow you, which everybody should, and you have a new YouTube channel, if they don't know about, so I, tell us, we could keep going on this conversation forever. I, know. I realized <laughs> that we've been talking for almost an hour. So um, 
tell people where they can find you and follow your adventures and find you if they want to reach out for consulting. Um, queer gravel is our, that's my handle everywhere. So queer gravel, Instagram, uh, queergravel.com um, is the fastest way that you can connect with me um, on queergravel.com. You can also um, buy stickers and other cool merch, um, which helps me do my thing uh, because none of this is free and it's a lot of time and energy and work. Um, so that, that's super great. You can contact me there as well. Um, like Catherine said, I did, I did launch a YouTube channel and I'm having so much fun on YouTube, creating videos about bikes and gravel and doing these events. Um, I always tell people I got into it because I was watching people's YouTube videos of unbound. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that. And now it's like, how much more impactful would that have been if somebody is watching and, and, it was queer folks. If it was trans folks making those videos. Um, so subscribe to me on YouTube, all that, all that good stuff. Um, a lot of, a lot of good bingeable trainer content, if that's what you're doing these days in the winter. Um, yeah. And I'd love to connect with y'all if you are listening and you want to know how to do, uh, you know, do better by queer and trans folks at your event, or even just in your community. Um, I I'd love to help you out and, yeah. Um, hopefully I'll get to ride with y'all soon. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us last minute today. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.